good afternoon everybody namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa friends this afternoon i want to start this uh, talk on bodhyanga uh, bodhyanga in short i must say is the entire summary of the buddha's teaching because everything that he taught includes in bodhyanga in early buddhist literature word abhidhamma is used for bodhyanga higher teaching it is bodhyangas are the essence or summary of the buddha's teaching it is so lofty so great teaching bodhyanga comes from the word two words bodhi anga bodhi means buddhi or wisdom or knowledge anga is limb or branch so limbs or branches of the tree of knowledge tree of wisdom are called bodhyanga bodhi also has another root that is buddh means wisdom buddh to know so to know and attain the final goal of buddha's teaching is called bodhyanga buddh is wisdom or enlightenment anga is limbs the the limbs or branches or that join together to make the tree of enlightenment metaphorically speaking that is the tree 
That is the simplest meaning of bhojanga. From this definition, you can understand how important these factors are. So in English, the word bhojanga translated into English as factors of enlightenment or factors of awakening, factors of realization, attaining liberation and so forth. There are variety of translations we find in English language. All these indicate the importance of this discourse, this teaching. If we were to <coughs> uh, think of Bhajanga, Buddha said, suppose there is a, a roof, all its rafters are joined to the central beam. and the whole roof is suspended on that. Similarly, the factors of enlightenment support the entire practice, attaining liberation. In order to practice this, we also must understand the simile of uh, 37 mountains. Why 37? Because there are 37 factors of enlightenment. Normally we talk about seven. These thirty-seven put into seven categories. Out of these seven categories, one category is seven factors of enlightenment. But thirty-seven are in expanded detail version uh, we find in attaining liberation. This, let me give the list of 37 first. 37, when you look at the 37 you can see the profundity of this subject. Number one, four foundations of mindfulness. There are four. You learn mindfulness meditation. Often you have heard of four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of the mind, 
and mindfulness of mental objects. Four foundations. Then you have uh, four uh, supreme efforts. They are called Sammapadhana. Padhana means effort. Sammapadhana means noble effort. Four of them. These four are restraining our senses in order to prevent unerison, unwholesome mental states such as greed, hatred, delusion, jealousy, fear, tension, anxiety, all these come under the category of unwholesome mental states. We want to prevent them, we want to restrain ourselves by, as I mentioned yesterday, by observing precepts, practicing moral principles, we restrain our senses. Restraining our senses does not mean we completely close them, but when we encounter them, we use the filter, filter to put all unwholesome things out and let wholesome things in, like a gatekeeper. That is the meaning or simile given for mindfulness uh, uh, teaching or sati. And then another effort is once they are, we hold them at bay with effort, in spite of our good intention and effort, they might arise. Then we make effort to get rid of them, overcome them, whenever these unwholesome state arise. Third, once we have overcome them, then we don't leave a vacuum in our mind without doing anything, but we arouse wholesome mental states like uh, sadha, faith, determination, mindfulness, concentration, generosity, friendliness, like that wholesome mental states we arouse. The fourth effort is we maintain these wholesome mental states. These are called four efforts. Then, four faculties. Four faculties are faith, uh, uh, effort, Uh, mindfulness 
concentration and wisdom. These are five, actually five uh, indriyas, faculties. When these faculties are developed, they become a power. They are called five powers. And then we have uh, seven factors of enlightenment. These are the seven we are going to discuss today. One more category I did not include, that is uh, four bases of accomplishment. They are called Iddi Pada. Four bases are uh, desire or will, called Chanda, then determination, Chitta, then Virya, effort, and investigation. These four are called Iddi Pada base or foundations for higher achievement. Then the last category is eight steps to liberation that is called four, eight noble eightfold path. These are the 37 factors of enlightenment. Let me repeat the list for, list for you to remember four foundations of mindfulness, four supreme effort, four means of accomplishment, five faculties, then five forces, bala, and seven constituent factors of enlightenment, and eight fall path or noble eightfold path. These are thirty-seven. Now I said uh, we assume there are thirty-seven mountains representing these thirty-seven factors of enlightenment. These thirty-seven mountains, very high mountains, and uh, Rain, sometimes drizzling, sometimes light rain, sometimes heavy rain, falls on this, onto these mountains. Then the water that rain brings, rain water, slowly seep into the ground. And then this water absorbed into the ground, slowly runs through little tributaries, rivulets, creeks, to make rivers. Then this large volume of water collected by this rivers are simply flowing, 
some smart person built a dam and collect this water and in the dam he put little holes for water to run through and this large volume of water going through small holes carries enormous power to turn turbulent and it turbine it uh, generates electricity that can light large areas similarly this simile is very important to remember these mountain tops always get water sometimes very tiny little drizzling sometimes little rain light rain sometimes very heavy rain this is like our practice of mindfulness today my topic is mindfulness and let me give the list of seven constituent factors of enlightenment number 1 is mindfulness number 2 investigation number 3 is effort number 4 is joy number 5 is tranquility number 6 is concentration number 7 is equanimity these are the seven factors of enlightenment all these 37 are summarized in these seven factors now my topic today is to talk about number 1 mindfulness factor of enlightenment now in this uh, assuming that there are 37 mountains every day without stop every moment little drizzling brings a tiny little drops of water onto the mountain sometimes light rain sometimes heavy rain this tiny little drizzling drops of water is like our very short practice of mindfulness we keep practicing practicing maybe 1 minute a day once maybe 30 uh, seconds a day we keep practicing just like this tiny little rain drops coming from the drizzling we keep practicing 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 occasionally we have morning meditation evening meditation 
it is like uh, light rain and even more rarely we go for retreats six days seven days two weeks uh, a month three months like heavy rain and this mindfulness just like heavy torrential rain water keeps collecting every fraction of a second we practice mindfulness it keeps adding to our storage our reservoir so that is how we practice mindfulness factor of enlightenment there is no any other separate special training any time you practice mindfulness that adds up to making it a huge great power which generates enlightenment every moment we practice mindfulness that keeps adding <clears throat> i just wanted to wanted you to remember the simile of the mountain and drop of water tiny little drizzling so that you continue your meditation mindfulness practice in order to attain or complete the mindfulness factor of enlightenment right there is don't think today i am practicing mindfulness of enlightenment bodh uh, gyan today tomorrow i practice something else with mindfulness no whenever you practice mindfulness that adds up to your factor of enlightenment you simply try to uh, germinate sprout your wisdom it is not that you borrow from somebody or buy from somewhere you have this seed within you so you try to cultivate it uh, until they become powerful enough for you wisdom to blossom that is what all the enlightened persons did sometimes you might uh, have also heard or read somewhere that somebody attain enlightenment very quickly friends that is not very quick that person has practiced it again and again and again without record you don't keep his record you don't know his record he don't you don't know his uh, uh, history of meditation only that person know the history of his meditation history of his mindfulness practice 
and one day all of a sudden you see him attaining liberation enlightenment therefore <coughs> we we must not think of a particular uh, day to practice bhujanga every time you practice mindfulness meditation you are practicing you are leading going towards perfecting your factor of enlightenment now <clears throat> this is one practice mindfulness is one practice that uh, we very honestly and sincerely practice not for anything else but for liberating our mind from suffering this practice leads us only to liberate ourselves from suffering that is why i said it is extremely important and buddha said because you see in uh, we begin with mindfulness of breathing we practice mindfulness of breathing buddha said on whatever occasion a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as body ardent fully aware and mindful having put away covetousness and greed grief for the world on that occasion unremitting mindfulness is established in him on whatever occasion unremitting mindfulness is established in him on that occasion the mindfulness enlightenment factor is aroused in him and he develops it and by development it comes to fulfillment in him whatever occasion doesn't matter when whatever occasion you practice mindfulness of body mindfulness of feeling mindfulness of mind and mindfulness of mental factors or dhamma on that occasion you practice mindfulness factor of enlightenment and that is why this is this statement buddha made in anapana satisutta mindfulness of breathing meditation discourse he mentioned this so if you focus your mind on the breathing and use the breath as your mindfulness subject of mindfulness practice that practice leads you to gain 
all the seven factors of enlightenment. And therefore, there is no one particular selected subject for the practice of mindfulness of enlightenment, mindfulness factor of enlightenment, any subject, whether you use the breath, whether you use the feeling, whether you use perception, whatever subject you select, that eventually brings you to the fulfillment of the factor of mindfulness factor of enlightenment. That is what I want to emphasize. Now, what is the nutriment? Buddha said, we, in order to sustain our body, we need nutriment, nourishment. Similarly, for the development and cultivation of mindfulness, there must be nutriment, nourishment. From where do we get nourishment to cultivate mindfulness factor of enlightenment? The nourishment is coming from none other than four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness to develop uh, uh, mindfulness factor of enlightenment, the basis or foundation or nourishment we get from four foundations of mindfulness. When we practice mindfulness factor of enlightenment, we even can use any other subjects like practicing metta or four Brahma Vihara. Based on four Brahma Vihara, Brahma Vihara or uh, the metta, karuna, mudita, opekka, mindfulness, what you call loving friendliness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity, even those subjects can be used for gaining mindfulness, mindfulness factor of enlightenment. Therefore, it doesn't matter what subject you use, <coughs> then that subject will lead you to gaining this, this attainment, mindfulness factor of enlightenment. So, out of these seven, Uh, number one is mindfulness factor, because all other factors evolved from the mindfulness factor of enlightenment. Even to practice our morality, we need mindfulness factor. There is a story a little story, I like to tell stories. There were five people 
they wanted to observe very basic moral principles they sound very basic but not very basic when you start practicing them that is observing the five precepts it sounds very simple only five number one is abstaining from killing so one person said well i cannot observe all of them i observe only the first precept as he was practicing the first precept whenever he met other other colleagues or friends or their his buddies he would say well i practice the best precept you try to practice it i bet you cannot practice it my precept therefore is the most difficult one i practice that so other some of some other people thought yeah that's that sounds uh, good so they start to practice that precept one then come another person he says your precept is not that difficult second precept is even more difficult not stealing i observe that precept you try to observe that i bet you cannot do that so he challenges others and after some times he found some people who accept the challenge and started practicing second precept similarly third fourth fifth you know the five precepts third is to abstaining from sensual misconduct fourth is to abstain from telling lies fifth is to abstain from taking intoxicants and so forth that causes infatuation and heedlessness so when these uh, people met together they began to argue and they began to tell each other that your precept is very simple anybody can can try to my practice my precept you cannot so they began to quarrel debate challenge each other so finally one guy said this is silly we try to practice a good precept and end up in quarreling bickering let us go to see the buddha so they went to the buddha and told the buddha when the buddha said this is our problem so they presented their case then buddha said you guys are very wonderful <laughs> if you cannot observe all of them you at least observe one that's good keep it up but i like to add one more precept then they were wondering what precept buddha is going to introduce what additional precept these five are bad enough challenging enough he is going to introduce another precept as they were questioning and listening very attentively out of curiosity buddha said 
in, you, in addition to your precept, you also adapt the precept of mindfulness. If you take that in addition to your precept, you guys will never fight. So, on the top of all the precepts, that is what I want to say, on the top of all these precepts, we must practice mindfulness. Why? It gives us guideline. It gives us direction. That is why the Buddha said when he talked about uh, four foundations of mindfulness at the our very outset, at the introduction itself, this because this is the only path that leads to liberation. The only path that leads to liberation, enlightenment, liberation from suffering. What is the only path? Mindfulness path. There are various paths, some paths to go to heaven, some paths to go to animal kingdom, some paths to go to uh, hells and so forth, some paths to go to Rome, some paths to go to Italy. So many paths are there. But this is the only path that takes you to Nibbana, mindfulness path. Even if you practice precepts, it is this precept, the precept of mindfulness, that makes your precept easy. You practice precept with mindfulness. So the precepts that you practice, you observe, would become very easy for you to observe. So, among these seven factors of enlightenment, therefore, Buddha put mindfulness on the top, the leading factor. Others are not unimportant, they are too important, but leading factor is this. Why he said that? <clears throat> when you practice these seven factors, suppose uh, uh, you are sometimes sluggish. You become sluggish. Uh, at that time, you cannot uh, practice uh, uh, tranquility, uh, equanimity, uh, and concentration, and so forth, you are already sluggish. Therefore, that time you should not practice that. Uh, instead, you must practice the fact of investigation. The fact of energy and the factor of uh, rapture. These are active factors. When the mind is sluggish, 
you cannot practice passive factors like tranquility, concentration, equanimity, and so forth. At that time, practice mindful uh, the, the the investigation, energy, and tranquil and and, uh, and uh, what you call rapture. Uh, <clears throat> Buddha gave a very be- beautiful simile. Suppose a man wants to make a small fire. If he throws uh, dry grass, dry cow dung, dry timber into the, into it, blows on it, and does not scatter soil over it, he would be able to light fire. Fire it up. Similarly, other regarding other factors, on the occasion when the mind when the uh, mind becomes sluggish, it is time to develop enlightenment factor of discrimination of state, the enlightenment factor of energy, and the enlightenment factor of rapture. When the mind is uh, uh, excited, that is not the time to practice in the mindful, what you call this uh, discrimination factor, energy factor, and uh, what you call uh, rapture factor, because mind is already active. That is the time one should practice tranquility, uh, concentration and uh, equanimity. What <coughs> balances all these factors? Factor that balances all of them is what is the leading factor? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. That is why mindfulness is more important than all of them. It is the leader of all these practices. So, even when we practice uh, Noble Eightfold Path, Always we must keep mindfulness uh, on the top of it, although it begins with uh, uh, understanding and so on, in order not to go off the practice, we must keep mindfulness factors, factor always strong in the forefront. Now, what is this uh, mindfulness factor that we practice here? Uh, in order to balance all these factors, without uh, uh, 
getting into any extreme. It is very much like uh, uh, scale, scale. In the scale, you have a center needle, and both sides you have bucket. This scale is not the modern scales that we have in our bathrooms. This is uh, an ancient scale which has a rod. In the center there is a needle. Both sides there are buckets. You put something on the uh, put the weight on one side, and your merchandise on the other. And if one side is one side goes down, you balance it with the putting something onto the other side. Similarly, all this selection of factors, selection of factors is done by the mindfulness factor. That is the one it, that is the one uh, balances everything. Now, when we master the master all the factors of enlightenment, as Venerable Sariputta did, we would be able to practice either of them at any time, any of these factors at any time. When we, when we start practicing mindfulness first and then continue all other factors, factors and then master all of them, after that, whenever we want to practice one of them, suppose we want to practice my, the, the enlightenment factor of energy, that time we can practice only that one. That is what Venerable Sariputta did. Uh, because this mindfulness factor of enlightenment is based on seclusion, dispassion and cessation, maturing in release, which is vast, exalted, measureless, without ill will. With the mind that has developed the enlightened fact of mindfulness, Vendabha Sariputta penetrates and uh, penetrates and, ma- and the mass of greed that he has never before penetrated. And he penetrates and sustains the mass of uh, the mindfulness factor in the mass of hatred, mass of delusion, because he practices only one of them. That is, in this case, mindfulness factor. And Buddha said, if Sariputta wanted to practice the factor of enlightenment, factor of uh, uh, tranquility he would practice it to overcome 
greed, hatred and delusion, which of course is unlikely that he ever had, <coughs> because after attainment of enlightenment, he was very uh, skillful in using these factors. So, <coughs> we have been talking about mindfulness, <coughs> the components of mindfulness, how to practice mindfulness, and uh, uh, what are its uh, requisites and so forth, we have been taught, discussing. I like you to bring out all the all your knowledge of mindfulness and keep practicing it in order to uh, make it perfect. The purpose of making mindfulness uh, perfect is to overcome greed, hatred, and delusion and liberate ourselves from suffering. From the very beginning of mindfulness practice, we must understand, we must think, I practice this to overcome my greed, hatred, and delusion. In order to overcome greed, hatred, and delusion, one thing we must remember in mindfulness practice always is that everything we experience is changing, 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 impermanent. Nothing remains permanent. Why it is so important in mindfulness practice? Because whenever we try to hold on to anything impermanent, we end up in frustration. Whenever we try to cling to something, we cannot cling. Why is that? Because the object we want to cling to is changed. We cannot cling. Clinging is just a mere wish. Clinging is a wish which will never be fulfilled. While we are trying to, while we are wishing to cling, our wish changes. The object we want to cling to changes. So how can we cling? It is slipping away all the time. When it is slipping away, we are trying to hold on to it. Before I finish this, I think will give you one example. You have parents have children. See, from the very tiny little time of a, of a baby, mother or father wants to cling to them, cling to them, cling to them. And these babies are growing, 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 growing. Then time will come, baby doesn't want to stay even the mother's lap crawl and always go to the front away and crawl, uh, have little liberation, freedom from the mother and then start crawling. And when the child is going to start walking, mother is trying to cling, oh, he runs away from the mother, 
want to walk. And then grows and grows and grows and the child is thinking of how to get rid of mother. Mother is thinking how to cling. See? And eventually the child grows, 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 grows and become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, going away and away and away and away from parents and become independent. Where is your wish to hold? You wish to cling to your child. It is just a dream. You cannot cling. All the mothers know that, all the fathers know that, all the children know that. Isn't it true? It is very true. When we come to certain age, we don't want mother to hug us, cling us, keep us on her lap. No, do we want fathers to do that. So, this is very practical, experiential truth. So, friends, when we train mindfulness, meditation, we train ourselves in mindfulness, meditation, it, we can see it happening to us. I gave you a very gross example. Subtle example is trying to cling to us, cling to our current health, current youthfulness, current strength, current ability. We want to cling to any of those things. Can we cling to them? No. While we are wishing, our health is fading, strength is disappearing, appearance, our appearance is disappearing, although we are trying to cling to them. So the mindfulness is the best way to deal with all of them, understanding that these are all slipping away, slipping away, changing, changing, changing. Finally we find there is nothing to cling to us, cling to. Nothing cling to us, nothing that we can cling to. That is the truth we see when we try practice mindfulness and looking always, seeing this reality keep our practice. That definitely will bring us true, real, full enlightenment. No more burden. Burden is laid down. Ohitabhara. Burden is laid down. So long as we want to cling, there is a heavy burden. The moment we lay down the burden or the moment we realize that we cannot cling, then we feel very relaxed. I want to finish this. In Udana, uh, when Buddha and his uh, disciples were traveling to a certain village, they were very uh, much against the Buddha and his disciples. They had uh, well, 
they were so mean that they thought if the gotama buddha came to their village they don't want to give him water you know normally a decent people just do not deprive even their enemies of water but these brahmins said gotama and his disciples are coming we must close our wells put all uh, hay hay that's what they could collect and fill the wells with hay <coughs> when buddha came and asked ananda to bring some water he went and found the well was uh, full of uh, hay the straw he came to the buddha three times he sent him to bring water each time he found the well was covered with hay last time he went there was no hay water was overflowing the well and clear water then buddha said ananda king kaira udapanena apache sabbadasiyun tannay molto chitva kissa paryesanaanchare ananda what is the use of a well if water is available everywhere similarly when the clinging craving is destroyed what is the use of search the struggle attempt to cling to something when the clinging is completely gone destroyed remember this simile this is a wonderful simile so that is what we are trying to gain through the practice of mindfulness seeing this reality of not being able to cling to anything and letting go of it not all of a sudden but little by little we try to chip off this clinging and one day we will have the full complete factor of mindfulness factor of enlightenment we will be mindful and enlightened with this i like to conclude today's talk and i wish you success <clears throat>